being a mompreneur comes with its own challenges of raising your family while managing your business. Juggling playdates, board meetings, and girls' night out can be overwhelming. Mama Hustle provides you with actionable strategies from fellow expert mompreneurs to help you grow your business and manage your family, all while keeping your sanity. If you're an ambitious mompreneur or one in the making who is looking to turn your passion into a profitable business, you're in the right place. Here is your host, new mama, multi-passionate business owner who knows the importance of having mentors and a strong network of support, Stephanie Lopez-Gilmore. Today's guest is a psychologist and mental health expert that has been working with families for over 20 years, first as a nanny and then as a preschool teacher, and then as a postpartum doula before finally pursuing her doctorate degree in psychology. She now has a private practice in Washington State where she enjoys seeing women to help them problem solve the frustrations of new parenting and help women and their partners overcome the pain of infertility, birth trauma, pregnancy, and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. One of her favorite things is helping women feel that they have felt lost during the postpartum periods, recover and thrive. You can discover more about today's guest by going to her website, mamathrivevillage.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram under Mama Thrive Village. Today's actionable tips are taking care of yourself is important to fuel your ability to grow a family and a business. Early motherhood is fabulous time to grow a business because our brains change when we have babies. And there are two things that help prevent mental health issues, addressing lack of support and managing anxiety. So let's welcome today's guest, Dr. Danielle Jenkins to the show. Thank you for joining me again, Dr. Jenkins, for this episode of Mama Hustle. I'm so happy to have you on today's show to talk a little bit more about mental health and how important it is. Uh, So thanks again for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you about this. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about your business and how long you have been in business and kind of who your clientele is? Of course. Um, So I have both a private practice and an online business. And my private practice mostly serves uh, people uh, in that perinatal um, period. So, and also including folks who are going through fertility challenges. So I see, um, individuals and couples who are going through infertility treatment. I see, uh, new, new and expectant moms for, uh, prenatal and postpartum anxiety and depression. And people are really challenged in that, those transitions. And so, uh, occasionally I'll see couples, but mostly I see individuals and, um, and that's my private practice. And then I have, uh, mama thrive village online, um, And that's really a community of mostly moms who are working together to uh, support each other in these challenging times that uh, come with uh, taking care of those little ones. And so uh, there's a lot of people in the community who are uh, just really uh, excited to support others and looking for support themselves and So uh, we have an active Facebook community and I have some online courses and a membership that we'll be launching later this year. Awesome. And then that community, is that open to everyone, not just the ones that are in your practice? Yes, absolutely. It's open to anybody. 
That's a great resource. So what was your big motivation for starting your practice in the first place? So I've always been curious about people uh, and I've always worked with uh, moms and babies. I started out with my Red Cross babysitter certification when I was 11 and I uh, became my very own babysitters club. (laughs) And um, I also was very, um, I was young, but old enough to remember and be really moved by my mom's experience with my younger sisters who are quite a bit younger than I am. And she had postpartum depression, uh, with particularly my youngest sister. And so I was really always interested in that dynamic and how that shaped our family life and, and what that mother experience was. And I also have a mom who was someone who, I guess before there was the term doula, she was a really good doula to women and in our community. And she would, you know, say things to me as a young girl, like it's important for us to bring a gift for the mom because a lot of times moms lose part of themselves when they have a baby and we're going to encourage this new mom. We're going to be excited and hold the baby too, but we're going to really encourage our mom friend. And so I grew up knowing that that's really like a wonderful way to support women. And so I became, you know, I was a babysitter and then I was a nanny and a preschool teacher. And then I became a postpartum doula while I was um, getting my undergraduate degree in psychology, knowing that I wanted to go on and become a psychologist. I had always been drawn to families who just needed a little extra support um, in all my various <laughs> jobs along the way. Um, and so I was always researching, you know, what could help this family? What could be the thing that this child needs? What could be the thing that this mama needs? And so uh, it was just a really natural fit. I did um, a number of years with just general psychology. I've worked in primary care settings and maternal, like in women's clinics. Uh, but my my focus was really always on uh, that perinatal period and the time just before motherhood. And so uh, it became natural that I just ended up specializing. And so now I, I focus on really just my two specialties, which are maternal mental health. And then um, I also have a specialty in bipolar disorder. So that's, I only take people in my specialty now. Um, And anyone who's not part of that specialty, it's because they've been in my practice for a long time. So um, yeah, it was, it was mostly one of those natural fit things. (laughs) And then also opportunities that I chose and looked for that sort of fit that track as well. Yeah, and that's perfect because we talk a lot on um, the podcast about how important it is to know your niche and to have that specialty where a lot of times, um, you know, we start off with this very broad idea of who we're going to serve. And I talked to a lot of my clients for business coaching and they're like, I want to serve the whole world. And I was like, that's great. But that's a lot of people <laughs> and, uh, and like, and that's a lot of like specializations that you're going to have to have in order to serve them really, really well. So really niching down and knowing who you're able to serve. And then you can be that specialist in there and do it really well versus trying to 
wear all the hats and serve so many different spectrums is it's great that you found that niche. And it, it is, those are two niches that really, really need a lot of support. And um, most, you know, it's hard to really kind of find that because you, especially as you're going into a new motherhood, it's a very fragile time for for a lot of ladies, a lot of uncertainty. I know I definitely sought out my own um, local therapist here because I knew as soon as I took that pregnancy test, I was like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to need some help <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yeah. my husband was like, why? And I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm calling my, I'm like, I called my doula. I called up my, um, my chiropractor. Like I called up an acupuncturist and I called up a therapist and he's just looking at me like, you just peed on a stick. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm getting my team together now. <laughs> Yes. And it is important to have a team. And I think that that's something that we have really lost culturally is that, you know, support system, that village that, that used to be just sort of around us. We don't really have that. We're so isolated and it's really important to have more than one person, right? Because your partner cannot be at all. <laughs> and, you know, if you don't have a partner, then, you know, it's even more important to have a really good team. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big part of why I do what I do because there, there just isn't, there's more than there used to be in this, this particular niche, but still, even still, I hear from people, I've been looking for six months before I found you, you know, those kinds of things that they say to me. And it just breaks my heart because, you know, I, I do have to turn people away and that is just heartbreaking to me because I am full all the time in my practice. And that's partly why I've started the online community because there's just not enough support. And sometimes you need some, you need something between, you know, your providers as well, or it's maybe not something that needs, you know, like a mental health provider. It's more that you just need more support. Yeah, you need someone to bounce some things off of, um, ask some questions that might not necessarily need to be more focused on mental health, but more like, hey, I have this question, um, this came up, my kid is dealing with this, um, or I'm dealing with whatever it may be. And I definitely find that the businesses that have that online community or any form of community works really well because we are looking for something that goes in between those other sessions, whether you are um, a coach or um, my friend and I have a meditation business and she's actually a therapist here locally. Uh, So we have the meditation practice to give them that extra step for both my clients and then her clients can be able to get that sense of community. And it's something about even um, whether sharing it in, in an online space or even sharing it with now the power of uh, the internet, you have Zoom and you can get multiple people there. Just having that face-to-face connection and knowing that you're not the only person struggling with something makes it feel a lot better that you can say like, all right, I'm struggling with this thing that's going on. Um, a lot of ladies right now with COVID-19 are probably struggling with dealing with uh, little ones at home while also you know working at home. (laughs) I know a lot of my friends are like, I still have to work from home and now I have to be not just a mom, but I also have to be dance instructor and the gymnastics person and the teacher. (laughs) I was like, look, don't try to be everything. (laughs) Please please know that you do not have to wear five hats today. (laughs) It's going to drive you insane. Yeah. I think we're really seeing, and you know, a system that's overtaxed, the, the mom system, 
that then is being given even more roles and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think some women will be able to realize that, you know, they are doing too much and that they need to give themselves a little more grace. And I think some women will have a, will be challenged to realize that and uh, will still be in a position of trying to do it all and struggling to ask for the help and support they need and struggling to find it when they do ask. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think we'll see some, some moms shifting into a place of really thriving and some moms really still struggling or struggling more than they ever have. Yeah. That burnt out feeling. Do you have any tips for those moms that um, are or I guess um, some signs to let the moms out there that might be listening that are kind of like, I don't know if I'm necessarily, and that's, I, I call it all the time, the superwoman syndrome, where they feel like they have to do everything and be everyone for everybody out there. Uh, do you have any strategies that kind of say like, you know, these are some things to kind of look out for if you are experiencing these little things that maybe this is a sign that it's, it's, okay to let some of that stuff go it's okay to not wake up at five o'clock in the morning and hit the ground running (laughs) you know you can give yourself a little bit of grace here and there yeah I think that if you find yourself saying I don't have enough time if you find yourself which I mean no mom does no I mean there is not enough time to take care of humans and do anything else (laughs) So, um, but like constantly saying that or, or constantly putting your own care and needs and ability to go to the bathroom or get food for yourself or things like that aside, then those are really good indications that, uh, you might need to reassess the balance. Not that there ever is a balance, but the striving for balance is important. And, um, and then, once you do that reassess and you, you see, oh yeah, actually I, I haven't gone to the bathroom when I needed to go to the bathroom for, you know, weeks, you know, or I haven't showered simply because I, I cannot make that space or I have cut off all of my self care in this time or, or just because, you know, there's so many needs um, to, to really look for some spaces where you can build that back in. Um, and if you have a partner to talk to your partner to say, I know we're both challenged and we both have too many things and we are struggling. And also I need some more space for me. I need to be able to take a bath by myself. I need, and, and that doesn't mean like with kids knocking on the door and calling, it means, I need to, to feel like I'm alone in the house for, you know, 20 minutes or I need you to do X, Y, Z, or we need to find a way to get those things done a different way. Um, because I, I just am not having space for me and for my things and for to refill so that I can give enough. And I'm, I'm really burning out. What I often see when women don't do that is they end up with things like autoimmune disorders um, or other chronic health conditions. Um, 
and that's, I think, really the crisis of our culture. And I think, I think people are really seeing either that illuminated with the COVID crisis or they're seeing, um, there's another way, right? We can, we can limit our activities and everyone's needs are able to get met. And that's the thing really about that young child, the family life is that there really isn't time in each day for all the things, but there's time over a long span. And so we have to sort of renegotiate those pieces and renegotiate our expectations in those times. I love that because that's a very useful tip for any mom out there, whether, and especially for the moms listening to this podcast, a lot of them own their own business. And Mm -hmm. so it's this, I have to get these deadlines done. I have to, and then I also have to take care of a kid and be that spouse. If I have a spouse and then also go out to those girls outings because I haven't seen my friends in a long period of time. And it's just, just this constant overwhelm. Asking for that support, whether that is coming from your significant other, your friend, your family members, or if you own a business and you have team, starting to delegate those tasks out and be vocal Mm -hmm. about it and letting them know what your needs are is not making you a weaker or less, you know, um, important person. It's saying like, hey, I can't do this all on my own and and nor should I really do this on my own. This needs to be a partnership. That's the reason why I hired staff. That's the reason why I have um, a spouse, if that's the case. You know, that's the reason why I have family members and friends that are willing to come out there and support. And a lot of times people want to help. They We just don't know how to give out those um, requests. We don't, we are too afraid to ask. And I know a lot of, I've, when my friends have had kids, I've always said like, you know, give me a call if you want me to watch the kids. And then they don't call me. And then all of a sudden I hear them like, my head is like, I'm just want to like bang my head up against the wall. I'm like, like why aren't you calling me? <laughs> Letting me know about these things. Yeah, it's, it's very challenging because I think many of us, especially those of us with that entrepreneurial spirit and experience, it's really hard for many of us to give up the reins, right? To say, you know, I'm going to let this person do the thing um, that maybe I'm not, you know, getting done. And so when that happens, it, it really means that then we like have too much on our plates and, and maybe that person isn't going to do it exactly the way we would do it, but it's still going to get done. And there are many tasks I have found <laughs> that um, it doesn't actually matter. Um, and, you know, like one of the things that I try to do when it's available is have someone else do my laundry. I, have I did other people's laundry for years. I was a house cleaner and a nanny and a doula. And I've hit my max with laundry for my lifetime. And so, you know, sure, I do some loads here and there. But it's like a thing that I can take off my plate and put on, you know, someone else's. And sure, do do other people fold my underwear they exact same way that I would do it. No. And if that bothers me that much, I can redo that part or I can just put it away and wear them 
when I want to wear them. Like, you know, like it really doesn't matter if it's all Marie kondo or not. Like as long as it's done, it's much better than having piles of laundry that I have to negotiate around and be annoyed with myself that I didn't get done. And so, you know, I, I have found those kinds of things that don't matter as much to me, um, that I can give away and that, you know, create way less conflict (laughs) in my life if they're taken care of. And so, um, I think we all have some things like that, that we can, we can give up. Uh, personally, I'm still navigating that world of like building a team that I can give things to and trust the way that they're doing it. And I think that that's a learning curve for everybody, but I think that especially in that early time with parenting, you know, it's such a great time to start a business um, because of the way your brain expands um, as a new mom. Um, And it's a great time to sort of even pivot a business that you might already have going because you're the, the way your brain changes just really expands the world and expands your creativity and expands your capacity. And also it's a really challenging time because, um, you know, your, your identity is shifting. You have a lot more responsibility. And so it's, uh, it is, it can be challenging, but I think it can also be very rewarding. I love that you said that because that's where this whole mama hustle kind of came from. Like my Mm -hmm. business was always on health coaching, um, shifted as the time went on dealing with my own hormonal health to dealing with hormonal health coaching and infertility. But the idea of mama hustle came up when I found that I was pregnant and I realized I need a support system. As I, as I mentioned, like I instantly was calling up all of my support staff and all my other friends were also looking at me like, Stephanie, even, even my friends who I was calling up that were doulas, like you're only six weeks. <laughs> like people don't <laughs> typically call, people don't typically call until like after 12 weeks, at least like give us a call back. And I'm like, no, I need you like now. <laughs> you don't understand how, how much I, I need you. Uh, but having that that support system, and especially for me, it was that transition from my business had my business and my dogs pretty much were like my babies. So I, you know, I spent a lot of time. I would stay up late at night when my husband was sleeping, working on my business. Um, I, you know, I call my dogs like baby girl and baby boy. Um, my, my husband and I still are uh, doing that. We're like, well, eventually going to have to like name them something else because our poor child is going to be like, who are you talking to? You're talking to a dog. You're talking to me. Like, I don't know who you're talking to. Um, plus that's our pet name for each other all the time. Like he'll call me baby girl. I'll call him baby boy. So it's like, yeah, our whole household is going to be so confused when this child comes around. Uh, but now it was that, that switch of, okay, now my, my baby is an actual living human that will be coming soon. I need to switch my mentality of, yes, I still need to work on my business. And yes, I still need to take care of my dogs and my husband, but I also have this new responsibility. And how do I make um, that shift? So having people like yourself in my community that allows me to, or gives me the tips that I need to have in order to make that mental shift over from you know, focusing solely on one aspect of my life, which has always been my career, to now switching over to, all right, I have a career and motherhood without 
without losing the career and losing my identity, but also knowing that I'm going to a new phase. So any tips for moms that are making that transition to like, this has always been my forefront. My career has always been my forefront. And now I have this new responsibility coming on. How do you have any tips on how to make that mental transition? Cause it took me a minute to like wrap my mind around the fact that I actually have a, like something growing in my body. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I think that what you talked about with building your team, right, is really important. And also, I think um, adjusting expectations is another big one. So for a lot of women who own businesses, who've had really um, successful careers and have been focused on their careers for a long time before they become moms, that transition is really difficult. And um, and it's not because they're not capable, but often it's because they feel like I've always, things have always come easy for me or I've worked hard and made it happen. And there's not really an amount of hard work that makes motherhood easy. It just will be challenging for most people. And that's okay. That's sort of the process. And so with, um, New motherhood, especially when you are a business owner or, you know, an entrepreneurial person or, you know, very career minded, it is challenging because, um, we, it, there's a lot of uncertainty in the early stages of parenting, especially, and there's not, you know, there's only so many lists and so many plans that will support that. And so, like I said, adjusting the expectation and knowing that it's going to be a season of change and identity shifts and hormones and tears and pee and poop and spit up and, you know, all of the things, right. That, um, you know, you think like it's a tiny person, you know, it's a tiny little being, how can it take up so much space? But it does, it, it really takes up space. It, you know, a baby takes up space in your heart, takes up space in your house. <laughs> they have lots of stuff, lots of gear. <laughs> um, you know, it takes up time, you know, it takes, you know, 10 times as long to do everything that you used to do as just your own self. And, Yet it comes with so much joy and, you know, so, so many wonderful things, which is why we do this. <laughs> um, and, um, and also understanding that not every day is going to feel successful. Some days just feel hard. Um, and in many ways, similar to like a new business and so many women, I have found start new businesses during the time of pregnancy or postpartum because they um, they're trying to create space for um, needing less childcare or um, you know trying to find that balance of home and um, and work and you know trying to change that piece because a lot of the traditional business models don't fit that right so like you know there's a lot of there's getting to be more companies i think that provide for um flexibility around parenting but you know not enough <laughs> most of us you know it's it's very you have to work full time to be able to afford 
the daycare that won't let you put an infant in part-time often. And so, um, you know, it's very challenging. And this is why a lot of women start businesses in this time or, or pivot the one that they have to be uh, more accommodating. Exactly. And that was my whole thought process. I've always wanted to take my um, health coach because I did like partially online. And then the other part was in person, but I've always wanted to focus more on that online aspect because I'm at, I'm at that age. Um, I'm like in my mid thirties. So I have that new baby on the way, but I also have a mother that's in her seventies that lives with us. And so I know that, you know, there's going to be that point where I'm taking care of, of my um, child, but I'm also taking care of my mom as she um, becomes older. I mean, right now she's very able to do a lot of things and I needed to have a business that did not require me to, you know, be out and about all the time um, in a way, because that's, you know, added, of course, added childcare, um, you know, who's going to be taking care of my mom, you have to put her into, hopefully never have to put her into assistant living, but you know, if that comes down to it. So it just made a lot more sense to focus my business when I'm able to do it at um, home. I mean, luckily I'm, I do have a mom that is super excited about having a grandchild. And so she's able to support me during those times where I need to take phone calls with my clients, um, when I need to do my podcast or anything else like that. I do have that built-in support. And I'm just sitting there and I look at how much money I'm going to be saving by having um, having that. Um, like I, you talked about postpartum doula. Like I think that's an amazing service for those women out there that do not have that support system, whether it's through their spouse or um, through like friends and family members that maybe, you know, they say that, I guess I'll help you, but they're not going to be there, you know, in the middle of the night, picking up the baby when you're just like, I need some sleep. So I've told anyone out there, like, if you are in a situation whether you, you know, if you can afford to have a postpartum doula and you need to get that, that sleep and you want to kind of get that self-care, please, please, please like invest in one because it makes a lot of sense so that you can wake up feeling a little bit more refreshed and feeling a little bit like a, your normal self versus trying to feel like a zombie walking around and still managing your business and being on that, those uh, phone calls half asleep and, and all those things, and then irritable and the baby's crying. I mean, all these things are going to kind of um, come up because it is a big transition from not having a kid to now having a kid and managing a household and still wearing all of those hats as we, as we discuss. Um, so I have a question for you because this is more, I guess, a personal level, but I also feel like there's a lot of people who are, might be listening, a lot of ladies out there might be listening to this podcast that might feel the same way. Uh, my, my husband joked about this when we were touring all of the local hospitals and you know maternity wards and everything else like that for our labor. I did not feel that motherly instinct, you know, when I saw the, the cute little babies going by and going to the nursery and I was kind of like, oh, everyone was like, oh my gosh, the babies. And he just looked at me and I'm like, oh, it's a child. <laughs> so he, he he looked at me like, wait, I'm like, and every time, I mean, I think it was only one of my friends that um, had a baby where I went to see her at, you know, once she had the baby and I actually wanted to hold the baby. But most of the time I'm like, ah, no, we're good. Like, why would you trust your child in my arms? I don't understand why you want to give me your child. You just had this baby like a few minutes ago. <laughs> like, don't, don't trust me. So I've never had that full on motherly instinct, even though all my friends are like, you'll be a great mom. You'll be an amazing mom. And I'm like, I'm glad you guys think that because 
it has like sometimes it clicks in now um being in my second trimester and feeling the baby move i have a more of a connection i guess i'm worried that I, that once this baby comes i'm not going to be like this instant like oh my gosh i'm so excited to be holding the baby so any any tips or like is that normal or uh abnormal like can you kind of explain a little bit about about that mentality of uh when does it kind of click in that like oh my gosh I'm a mom and there's actually a human being that I'm holding on to Yeah so there's a few women out there and and even a few men too who like instantly feel that like I'm a parent this is what I was born to do like this is the thing and probably they felt that way even before they knew they were pregnant or had a baby um but it takes a while like when you're first pregnant to sort of bond with the idea of having a baby and to you know a lot of women feel like oh i didn't really like fully even believe i was pregnant until i felt it you know felt the baby move um or sometimes it's you know seeing the ultrasound or things like that but it's really different for every person and i think a lot of women feel a lot of shame about that and even when once the baby comes if they don't if they feel like i got to get to know this person a little bit before we like know if we like each other you know and they were expecting to feel instant like love and oxytocin and la 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 you know like all those things and that doesn't happen for everyone and it it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it can be an indication if you're not bonding with the baby in pregnancy if you're not bonding with the baby once they're here um it can be an indication of some problems like prenatal or postpartum depression uh postpartum depression actually starts prenatally so if you notice that like your friends are saying things like oh don't you want to buy that outfit or i got something for the baby or your partner is saying like hey you know when are we going to get the nursery ready and you're like oh, i don't really want to that can be like an indication that there might be something going on there um and it it certainly would be worth it to at least do a consult with a professional and you might find no you're just actually just slower to connect and that's okay that doesn't mean anything bad and even if there is depression it doesn't mean anything bad it just means that there's a process going on um and so especially once the baby is here if you find yourself uh with only negative emotions or mostly negative emotions um or like a oop i i messed up my life <laughs> i threw a grenade in my world and this was a mistake um then then that's certainly a, an indication that you should reach out to a professional now if you have those moments of feeling like why did they let me bring this baby home <laughs> you know like i am not ready that's normal <laughs> yeah it's totally normal and to feel you know wistful for your pre-kid life and even to have some grief right most new experiences whether it's a new business a new career a new relationship a new child a new period of life um most of those transitions even if they were so deeply wished for most of them come with um grief right because when we do something we're often giving up something else 
And when we have a new phase of life, we have to leave our old self behind. And many moms really try to drag their old self along with them. And that's a big burden um, because you, you are just never the same. And you can still have those parts of yourself that are still there. Obviously, you are who you are. <laughs> um, and your personality comes with you wherever you go. But, you know, trying to drag that full previous self along is just a burden that's really too much for a new mom to bear. And so you might have to do that grief work. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is it like a practice? Uh, I'm really big in meditation now that you mentioned that um, as far as trying to drag that old self along, because I think I dealt with that in the beginning. I remember taking the test and it was my husband and I were uh, preparing to climb Kilimanjaro. So we had for like nine months where we were planning this trip to Africa, to Tanzania. We were like training for Kilimanjaro. I should have probably known that I was pregnant because I'm a fitness instructor myself and I had a hard time. Like my heart rate was getting up. And I remember uh, on the stairmaster, I'm like, oh my gosh, I must be like really out of shape. I cannot breathe. And I'm like, I'm having a hard time and struggling with everything. And um, so there was like a lot of onset signs, definitely. But of course, you know, once you get the pregnancy test back, I think even then it didn't click right away. It was one of those things where I took a test on a Saturday. I retook the test on a Sunday because I was like, let me just, let me like, maybe it was like a dream. I mean, let me double check. Um, but a lot of it was the initial grief of here's these plans that we have that we aren't able to do. And I'm still trying to like rationalize, like I'm going to climb up this mountain. Like in my back of my head, I'm like, I'm climbing this mountain. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm climbing this mountain. I'm going to call as many doctors as I can until I get the approval. Um, And then when I found out, of course, you can't climb the mountain, it was like, I'm apologizing to my husband that I, you know, that this trip is ruined and maybe we need to look for a different route and still convinced that like, I'm still going on this trip. He wanted to cancel it. So it was, again, that grief of letting go of, we're not traveling, we're we're world travelers. We love to travel during the holidays. Um, So it was like, I'm not, I was not willing to let that trip go. I was like, well, we're just going to reroute it. (laughs) Like, I'm not letting the trip go. Like, I really want to get this last trip in because I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to take a trip. As uh, Let's face it, like, traveling to a different country is very expensive for baby. And um, on top of that, it's just a lot of lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work to, to do that with a prime baby, long flights. I, don't, I just don't want to deal with all of that. Uh, so it took a minute to wrap my mind definitely around that aspect but is there is there any like uh, a practice or anything that you would suggest for for those ladies like myself who are still t- trying to I'm like now I think I'm making this transition especially with everything that's going on and being quarantined for such a long period of time I know that any trips that I was trying to get away is probably not going to happen between now and the due date for sure because I'm we're locked down <laughs> so I was like well even if I wanted to do something it's not I'm not going to be able to do it so I can virtually maybe go to Yosemite <laughs> but I'm not going to be there physically um, so is there any like practices or techniques that you would give someone for that mom who wants to still drag their old self into this new role and needs to find ways to like be okay with letting that that part of them go knowing that it doesn't have to go away forever but that there's going to have to be some kind of shift because you can't still live your 
fun party, travel around the world life with a new responsibility on your hands all the time? Yeah. So I wish that I had like a specific meditation that I could tell you to do. I actually think that would be a great thing to, to create. Um, but one thing that I do talk to moms about as a really important thing is to talk about this because a lot of women don't talk about those feelings because they feel a lot of shame about why am I not embracing this new role whether it's one that they, that was unexpected and they didn't want, or one that was like an unexpected surprise that was exciting, or even a planned for, hoped for, very much wished for situation. Um, that feeling of this is like, I am conflicted. So we call that maternal ambivalence. Hmm. And it's a huge hallmark of the maternal experience. And and women experience this long before they ever get pregnant. And in fact, it's why in the U.S., part of why in the U.S., about 50%, sometimes less, sometimes more, of pregnancies are unplanned or not very planned. <laughs> you know, they might not be prevented, but they weren't necessarily hoped for. And part of that is maternal ambivalence. As a woman in our culture, we have to give up a lot for the motherhood experience and to be the kind of parents we want to be. And that doesn't always feel good. Right. And so it's, it's understandable that women feel that reluctance and that feeling like you described, like, I'm not going to give this up. I can do anything. I'm going to climb to the top of that mountain and I'm going to go on that trip. And unfortunately that kind of, that, that drive that's so wonderful in other settings and other experiences can actually make it so women aren't preparing for that, that role shift and that identity change. And, um, and so they're sort of like going into it, like digging their heels in and that can really contribute to making the early phases of motherhood really difficult. I'm, I'm glad that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that because there is a lot of shame. I would say definitely there's a lot. I mean, even just having the small conversations with some of my family members and I'm in a lot of um, different mom groups and it just seems like some of the things that some of the moms, like I think one mom had mentioned is, you know, she loves to rollerblade and she wants to go out there and all of her family members are like, it's not a smart idea to rollerblade when you're sex X amount of weeks pregnant and da 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 da. Um, so there is like when we do express how we feel, uh, whether it is our in our in own internal thoughts that make us feel bad, like oh I shouldn't be feeling this way, or people actually expressing it to us that you know mm -hmm. oh there's something wrong. Like why do you feel that way? Like you know I don't know if you're going to be a good mother if you feel these ways. I'm like, but this is how I feel, and and I can't even express how I feel because I'm too afraid that you're going to come back at me and tell me that I'm, you know, there's something wrong with the, my thought process. And I love the fact, like, I do find some of my friends who I'm able to, my, one of my best friends, <clears throat> I'm able to bounce those ideas off of her all the time because I've asked her, I'm like, hey, once you had your baby, did you feel like this instant connection with your child? And she was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, no, no, I did not. And she, she dealt with a little bit of postpartum depression. She, she never was diagnosed with it. She's like, but I definitely felt like I might have um, experienced that. Um, she was like, but it's perfectly normal. Because, like, again, when I went to the maternity work, um, 
they were delivery for all the hospitals and I didn't feel that bond. And my husband's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you feeling this bond? Because all the other moms are all gushing and guy guying all over the babies. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, ah, I'm not feeling that way. Like, and she's, she mentioned, she's like, no, I didn't feel that way. She's like, I don't really feel that way about other people's kids. She's like, I feel that way about my kid. And she's like, and I probably feel that way about your kid, but just any other one's child that comes my way. No, I'm not all of a sudden like, oh, let me go and pinch their cheeks and go all gaga. Like, can I hold your child? She's like, that's just weird. Like, I don't feel that way all the time. Okay. But I'm, I'm glad I'm able to have those conversations with her. Cause if I talk to them to other people, they're kind of looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, oh, you don't want to just pick up random children as you're walking on the street. I'm like, no, not really. That's really kind of creepy. That's like child abduction. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and there are some people who love babies and children so much, and that's all they've ever wanted and all, you know, everything. And I think that can be a a challenge in new motherhood because they're like, I've always been good with kids, and now I have a baby that I can't calm or that's not the way I envisioned. And then there's the women like you who, you know, you're describing, like, I wasn't, I wasn't really that into like holding people's kids before. Like you're going to love your kid. Like that's, that's just the way it it is evolutionary. There's very few times where people have children that they don't end up adoring more than anything else. Right. So like, it's very rare. It's super uncommon, like very, very uncommon. Um, but like, and it just, it just doesn't happen. Like you, you're going to love, like when you have a baby, you come to love them. Even if at first they feel like a stranger or an alien. And that is not an uncommon thing for people to see that new baby and be like, well, I think I like them. <laughs> but I'm not sure yet. I love that. Okay. So I feel a lot better. I, I definitely know I'm getting that mama bear instinct, that very protective instinct as even looking at a lot of things. I was like, I don't want anyone touching my kid. I don't want anyone looking at my <laughs> So when we're looking at strollers, I'm like, I want a stroller that faces me because I don't want random people breathing on my kid. <laughs> this is even before the whole coronavirus thing. Yep. And my husband's just like, uh, calm down. I was like, I don't want random. I'm like, I don't want these people touching my kid. I don't trust them. I'm like, my kid can't go over to so-and-so's houses. And he's just like, uh, for one minute, you went from like, you were cool with not having kids. And now this child's not even around and you're already giving me limitations on who can and cannot be around the kid. I'm like, yes, because whatever it comes out of my body, it's, I'm like, I'm going to be protected. <laughs> I mean, find myself having very vivid dreams of me protecting my child, like in weird situations where people are like breaking in the house and I'm like <laughs> protecting my kid. I'm like, these are the strangest dreams I've ever had. Um, but I find that I have this protective, I think about more now with the second trimester because I can feel the movement. Um, I love when you said like, you know, the ultrasound, the first ultrasound, I, I had a hard time bonding with the first ultrasound because it's just two little dots. Like here's the embryo and here's an amniotic sac and the doctor's like, oh, that's a baby. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like I swallowed two peas. <laughs> like I can't really, <laughs> I can't really bond with that. I felt, I heard the heartbeat and I was like, okay. But then, you know, you, you go home and you're just looking at this, this image. You're like, it looks like two peas. Like I'm supposed to bond with this Mm-hmm. thing that looks like two bees <laughs> um, and then the second ultrasound you can kind of start to see like a head forming and then later on if you do your your 20 weeks uh, around your 20 week the anatomy scan I was like okay that actually looks like a human like it doesn't look like <laughs> an alien 
It doesn't look like two peas. I mean, because up until that point, I'm like, I could be giving birth to an animal. Like it could be a bear or a cheetah. I don't know. It just has a head and has like ligaments, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's nothing formed <laughs> like an actual face. <laughs> the hands are not really formed at this point. So now it's, you know, as things progress and you could feel movement and I could see an actual baby, I'm able to have those connections. Um, but I love what you do. I mean, I really love the fact that um, you are telling women, you know, have those conversations, be open and, and, and engage in those conversations, whether it's in the community that you created or seeking out a therapist or even just talking to your friends, holding that stuff in is not doing anyone any favors um, whatsoever. You're not alone in this process at all. Yeah. And I always say, test it out, right? Like we all hear stories about like the horrible mom group or the friend you talk to and you're like, Oh, (laughs) that was not received. Well, I only got a heap of judgment, like test it out, right? Find the people who can get it or can at least empathize with your experience, even if it's not their experience. Like maybe your partner is super, super into whatever with the kids or, Um, whatever. And you're like, I'm really not, that might not be the person to talk about. Like, I don't really love this part of parenting, right? Like maybe they can, they can hang with it and they can, they can empathize with you, but if it triggers them too much, you may need to talk to someone else about it. And I think most of us can find that person. And if you can't, I think there's lovely groups like mine and others, um, that will help you sort of find a place to say, this is a really tough part of parenting for me. This is a tough part of this experience for me. Um, I think real life face-to-face interactions are awesome, but sometimes we need to have that separation where if we say the thing, like it's not our friend at book club sitting next to us, who's saying, Oh, you know, like that's not been my experience. I mean, how, how many times do we hear or experience those stories of like moms sort of one-upping each other with like the next Pinterest extravaganza situation. And I think all of that comes from shame and doubt about ourselves and it's also not super helpful right like it's just it's really not so that's something that I really try to help people steer clear of because uh, we need to have more normalizing like I'm not super excited about normalizing unhealthy coping skills but I think acknowledging that we all have them is important and I think acknowledging that, um, we, um, each have a different experience is really important. Yes, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. So can you tell the listening audience that before we wrap up, cause I, I we could go on for a long period of time, but I know that, that you're busy and you have some things to go back to with your practice. Can you tell the listening, um, the listening audience a little bit more about your freebie that you have? Um, it's about depression, proof your family and prevent postpartum depression. Can, so can you explain a little bit more about what they're going to be getting um, when they go to your site that I'll be posting in the uh, show notes um, and they go and download your free, your free gift? Yeah, absolutely. So I have an ebook called Depression Proof Your New Family. Um, and it's a guide to preventing um, postpartum depression. It's also appropriate for people who 
are newly into motherhood, so maybe you didn't get it before you had a baby, it's still appropriate for those early days, early weeks. Um, it's on Amazon if you prefer it on a Kindle, but that's not free. It's a couple dollars. Um, but I do have it, um, and you're going to give the link uh, on my website as a free PDF version of the ebook. And uh, it's an easy download. It should come straight to you. And um, it really goes into how to ask for support and the main things that really help preventing those postpartum issues. I love it. I can't wait. I'm going to download it as soon as we get done with this interview because I'm like, I I need this and I'm definitely going to be sharing it in some of my expected mom groups because I think that's, I hear that a lot. Um, you know, one of the concerns is dealing with the postpartum depression and what are the, the signs of it. So having a plan in place, which is one of the reasons why I even started seeing a therapist prior to having a baby because I knew that like there's, you know, I could possibly, I mean, I'm not wishing on anyone, but people, women do experience postpartum. So having a support system and having tools ahead of time that I can, um, or, or someone that I trust enough that I can have that conversation and seek out when, and if it ever does occur. Um, and even also having just that open dialogue with my husband and I, and I think that the couples counseling helps a lot because we're able mm-hmm. to have those conversations and um, be able to sit there and talk about like the roles that we're going to play and where we're going to need to have support and being able to have that dialogue now versus when there's a screen baby. And of course, I'm one of those women that's like, why don't you read my mind? How come you can't <laughs> understand? <laughs> I need you to do these things. Um, I think a lot of like my friends are the same way. Like, why don't you read my mind that I need you to cook dinner tonight while I'm trying to change this baby diaper? <laughs> like, how do you not know that I need these things? And it's like, no one can read the other person's mind. We have to communicate that like you're up to your eyeballs that they don't know that you're are experiencing these problems. They, uh, or recently my back has been hurting me and I just asked my husband, like, can you draw me a bath? Can you give me a back massage? Like he doesn't know that I'm in back pain. He has no idea that I'm not able to sleep at night unless I express that to him. Um, so it's really great to have people like yourself to um, talk to and have that group that you're, that you're talking about, the group that you have in your village so that they can have those open dialogues with other women. But I would definitely say, you know, if you are listening to this podcast, no matter what stage you're on in motherhood, you know, seek out uh, therapists such as Dr. Danielle over here to really get um, the help that you need to have. And, you know, so can you tell them a little bit more about, um, and I'll have all your links so that don't worry if you are listening to this and you're out and about and you're like, okay, I didn't get a chance to write this all down. But can you share um, where they can find you on your website and social media and everything else? Yes, absolutely. So um, my website is mamathrivevillage.com and I spell mama with only one M. So um, that's a little different than your mama hustle. Um, And uh, so that's where you find me. Um, And then also on Facebook and Instagram, both at, at mama thrive village. And, uh, there, I also have a mama thrive village parents group that is available on Facebook as well. And, uh, so, so wherever platform out of those choices is the most comfortable for you, you can find resources, um, on the mama thrive village.com 
page, there's a blog as well where I talk about some of these concerns, things like um, how to ask for help um, and uh, that right now um recently with the coronavirus stuff you know that new motherhood is a little bit different that a lot of women experience that feeling of this isn't what i expected but it's extra amplified right now in our system and so um that that's a place where you can get information and you can always reach out to me with a question on facebook um and i i love answering questions and supporting uh, new parents. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's show. It was a pleasure having you today. I will put all those links into the show notes so that you can join her village, um, seek out the blog, definitely get that ebook. I would say even if you uh, are maybe a little bit, you know, your kids are a little bit older, but you know an expecting mom um, or a new mom, definitely look at that ebook and share it with someone that you think will be beneficial um, if it's not yourself. And then going over to all of her links, I mean, definitely mental health and wellness is, is imperative. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and I look forward to connecting with you pretty soon. And again, for everyone that's listening, stay tuned um, for our next episode of Mama Hustle as we will be sharing some expert tips on how to strategize your business and manage being both a mother and also a business owner. Until next time, I'll see you all again. Bye. I hope you learned a lot from today's guest, Dr. Jenkins. I definitely learned the importance of having that support system on hand, especially after you give birth, so that you know exactly who you can call and when to call when you need that help. Now, stay tuned into next episode with Serena. She is a visibility maven, and she's going to help you take your business to that next level. So if you're at that point where you want to scale your business and you know that visibility is key, you want to stay tuned to the next episode of Mama Hustle. Mamas, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for our guest links and freebie. Most importantly, head over to mamahustle.com forward slash workbooks to grab your free five key steps to uplevel your business workbook to help moms gain clarity in their business and increase sales. Thanks again for listening and repeat after me. I am a goddess that can handle any obstacle thrown my way.